This is Daniel Hagedorn from Preparing Kids for Life at PK4L.com, and our podcast is for all things parenting. This is actually day 27 of our 365-day journey with you. My wife and I are so passionate about helping parents reclaim their rightful place as the number one expert on their own kids. So our podcast focuses on the time-tested principles that any parent can learn and apply to build an emotionally safe home and to help their children thrive. So we talk about every parent's most basic fears because they used to be our fears too. Things like, I don't have what it takes to be a good parent, or I'm not qualified, or I'm going to mess my kids up. Because you know, as parents, we will literally do anything to help our kids. And since our ceiling is our children's floor, we owe it to them to always be learning and growing. So for the next 365 days, you have been invited into our experiment. We're committed to helping walk alongside your journey as your personal outfitters, guides, and allies every day, every step of the way. So the last last podcast kind of focused on uh, this question about whether or not you were a lawnmower parent. And again, quickly as, as a way of review, a lawnmower parent is a parent that's that's mowing down everything in front of their kids so they never have to suffer a moment of discouragement, a moment of discomfort. Uh, everything is just sort of done for them out of their way. And again, obviously it's done with the best of intentions, right? I mean, there's not a parent I know that you know goes out of their way to try to hurt their kids. It's, it's really all about things that they believe are going to help them. The problem is, is, you know, like we've talked about in other podcasts, where some of those beliefs come from. And when you start understanding where those beliefs come from, you start to really think for a moment about, wow, I'd never really given it much thought. I've just sort of, that's how things have always been done. So that's kind of how I do them. And one of the things that we really need to ask ourselves is the why, the why, like why we do anything. You know, there's a guy, um, who's very uh, well-known. Uh, he had a, a YouTube video that just kind of blew up and went viral, but his name is Simon Sinek. Uh, really insightful guy. I mean, I love listening to his um, his uh, YouTube videos. He just has a very, um, just a very interesting perspective on things. And I just, I really appreciate the insights uh, that he's able to glean from these experiences. But he really explores this this idea of the why in great depth that kind of forms the foundation of, of, of sort of what he does. I and mean, he does it with business leaders and so forth. But honestly, it applies to anything. And especially our why is clear. Our why is our kids, right? We want to do everything in our power to prepare them for life as the best version of themselves. That's That's just kind of, you know, parent 101, right? But a lot of it, the, the day-to-day is, is where sometimes we lose sight of the why. And, and a lot of times, you know, we just sort of get caught up in our own lives. We get caught up in our own rhythms. And, and as such, we, we just sort of tend to look at things a certain way. And, and I'm going to suggest to you that we really need to have uh, a mind that, that's willing to to consider the fact that maybe we don't have all the information. Maybe there's truly more 
than meets the eye in this situation. You know, there's a story that's uh, from Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey, another great, great book. I highly recommend that one. But it's a story uh, he, he entitled The Man on the Subway. And he relates it this way. I'm just going to go ahead and read it to you. He says, I remember a mini paradigm shift I experienced one Sunday morning on a subway in New York. People were sitting quietly, some reading newspapers, some lost in thought, some resting with their eyes closed. It was a calm, peaceful scene. Then suddenly a man and his children entered the subway car. The children were so loud and rambunctious that instantly the whole climate changed. The man sat down next to me and closed his eyes, apparently oblivious to the situation. The children were yelling back and forth, throwing things, even grabbing people's papers. It was very disturbing. And yet the man sitting next to me did nothing. It was difficult not to feel irritated. I cannot believe that he could be so insensitive as to let his children run wild like that and do nothing about it, taking no responsibility at all. It was easy to see that everyone else on the subway felt pretty irritated too. So finally, with what I felt like was unusual patience and restraint, I turned to him finally and said, Sir, your children are really disturbing a lot of people. I wonder if you couldn't control them a little more. The man lifted his gaze as if to come to a consciousness of the situation for the first time and softly replied, you're right, I, I guess I, I should do something about it. We just came from the hospital where their mother died about an hour ago. I don't know what to do or think, and I guess I don't know who or how to handle it either. Can you imagine what I felt at that moment? My paradigm shifted. Suddenly I saw things differently, and because I saw differently, I thought differently, I felt differently, I behaved differently. My irritation vanished. I didn't have to worry about controlling my attitude or my behavior. My heart was filled with that man's pain. Feelings of sympathy and compassion flowed freely. Your wife just died. Oh, I'm so sorry. Can you tell me about it? What can I do to help? Everything changed in that instant. And I'm going to suggest to you that for us as parents, every situation may not be as dramatic as that one. But every one of us have these, these paradigm shifts, some of them large, some of them small. But we have them. And it's what we do about these paradigm shifts that makes all the difference in the world, that help us really stay connected to our why. Because when we're firmly connected to our why, it has a, it has a way of really sifting through the fluff and just focusing on what's most important. Because oftentimes there are things going on that we just we don't see or we're just not aware about, you know? And, and so like this story that Stephen Covey's relating about this man on the subway and yeah, there's all this going on and it's, it's just easy to sort of dismiss this man as a 
typical man not really caring what his kids are doing, just letting him run buck wild all over everything. Oh my gosh, just another story of, you know, kids gone wrong, right? It's very easy to see it that way. I mean, if all you were going off of was was what your eyes were telling you, I'm almost certain that's the story most of us would see. And yet, we know now, after we've finished reading this story, there's so much more to it than that. So much more. This man was in the middle of experiencing a pain I can't even possibly imagine. You know, I, I've had, um, now I, I've lost uh, the three closest family members to me that I, I've ever had. I, I've lost my mom, I've lost my dad, and I've lost my grandmother. And um, it was incredibly, incredibly painful. And, and I've, I've, you know, grief recovery helped me work through all that. And I feel like I've come through the other side. But, you know, just because you've healed from something doesn't mean that there aren't scars left behind. I've always looked at scars as, as really kind of, scars mean two things to me. Number one, the wound was real. I didn't make it up. It's real. There was a wound. And the second thing is that it's healed. There's a, there's a certain reassurance. You know, there's still a scar to remind me, but, but I, every time I look at the scar, I'm reminded that the wound has healed, right? But there was still a wound. And it's the same way for, for me and my experience with, with my family. That's, that's, all, that's all gone now. Although I just had kind of a, well, this is another experience for another podcast, but I just had an experience where I reconnected with my biological family and they're absolutely amazing. It's just God. Anyways, that's a whole other, we'll do that on another podcast. But I just wanted to say that, that in this, in this situation, uh, again, we, we have to focus on our why, because sometimes things aren't as they seem, just like in this story. You know, one of the things I learned very early on as, as a teacher, and it's something that I think is, has helped me a lot as a parent, is that you never assume you know anything, even when it seems like a very obvious case, like, like this one, for example. But I had, a, I had a student my first year who, he would come to class and uh, always or most of the time, I want to say always, but most of the time, kind of tired, kind of out of it. Uh, sometimes he would last as long as 15, 20 minutes in class before he fell asleep. Sometimes it was just almost class beginning. Some, sometimes he stayed awake, but but there were a lot of days where it was pretty much my, my classroom might as well have been nap time for him. And uh, I, I was of the mind that, hey, look, you know, I'm here to give my best um, you're here to give your best. I, I'm not, you're, you're in high school. You're a grown man. You're a grown woman. I, I'm not going to coddle you. I'm not going to, you know, you know what you need to do. And if you don't think that, that the class is important enough to pay attention in, then, then that's fine. And, you know, as long as you're willing to suffer the consequences, I, I don't have any problem with whatever you do in class. Right. Um, so anyways, I, I gave a, an essay and the, the, purpose of the essay was, you know, I, I taught history. So I was, I was wanting to kind of get connected to, all right, well, what do you think the biggest problem facing society is today? Right. And I just kind of wanted to get an idea of where they were at because, you know, I, I'm of the mind too, that, that history, you know, simply, I mean, there's a linear quality to it, right. It moves forward 
right? But it's cyclical as it as it moves forward. So it's kind of going in a circle as it continues to move forward in a linear fashion. So these cycles, and, and I, I always I've always found it very, very easy to connect whatever is going on in the moment with what has happened in the past. Again, because of that cyclical thing. Anyways, <laughs> don't get too far afield on that. But the point is, is that that was what I was trying to do with this essay that I, I gave I gave them to, you know, what do you think the biggest problem facing our society today is? And I said, look, I, I want you to, to be honest. Um, th- this is, this is, I'm not, I'm not grading this. I'm just, I'm just really interested in what you honestly think. So don't put your name on it. Uh, that way, you know, I don't have to know who you are and, and you can just be as honest and real as, as you want. Well, this, this student, I was kind of came across his paper and, uh, you know, I'm ashamed to admit it, but when I when I first looked down and, and, and his name, I'm like, ah, oh, this ought to be interesting. And I was not saying that in a good way. I was saying that in a pretty uh, cynical way. Uh, and then I and then it kind of occurred to me, like, you know, I I told them all that they didn't have to put their name on their paper because I wanted them to be honest. And so it was very apparent that he wanted me to know who was writing this essay. And um, he went on to write about his family situation about how uh, how his dad um, drank a lot and um, you know uh, eventually had left the family and in doing so he he became the primary breadwinner because he had two younger brothers and um, his dad had uh, taken these brothers and um, for you know a weekend or, or whatever and Sadly, he'd been drinking again, and uh, he died uh, in a car crash, as well as his two younger brothers. So he lost his dad and his two brothers, both of whom were younger than him, all at one time. And his mom, who was not a drinker up to this point, suddenly became a drinker. And so he was trying to keep his family's business going, because that's the only money now coming in at all. And at the same time, he's getting calls at two, three in the morning from, you know, whatever bar his mom happened to be at. And he's got to go down and get her and pick her up and then come home and then work a little bit and then come to school. And I'm reading this. And I have tears in my eyes. I I can't believe this is this kid's life. And the worst part of all is that up to this point, before I read his essay, all I could think about was was just, oh my gosh, I can't believe what a, you know, deadbeat. I mean, he can't even stay awake in class. He can't even care about this class. I mean, he doesn't have any, I mean, oh my gosh, I, this kid has no hope, no future. I mean, what a, what a loser. I, and I, it's, it's sad. It's sad that that was in my mind. But if I'm going to be honest about this, I have to admit that that's, that's what went through my mind until I read his essay, that is. And as I'm reading his essay, and as I have tears going down my eyes, my face, all I could think about was, oh my gosh, how wrongly I have read this situation. How wrongly I have read this situation. And you know, um, I uh, I talked to him after class and... Uh, all he could say was, I am, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. What can I do to help? 
you know, and he just, I mean, he just, you know, he said, Hey, I, I know that, I know that I'm, I fall, I fall asleep in your class a lot. And I, I know you probably don't like me very much, but, uh, it's just really hard. And, um, I mean, I get, I get emotional even thinking about it all these years later. And the, the thing is, is that, um, you know, he was, uh, he was of the mind that he, he just wanted to help out. He was, he was very clear on his why, but it taught me a very important lesson. And in fact, I would take his letter and I would read his letter and I would tell his story to every single class from that year forward. And the reason that I did that was because I wanted to remind myself as I reminded my students, look, I'm just your teacher. I have absolutely no idea what's going on in your life. I have no idea what wounds you are carrying around with you every day, day in, day out. I have no idea. And so all I can tell you is that I am promising you that I am not going to assume I know anything about your life until you tell me. You can share with me whatever you want, whatever you feel comfortable with, but I'm not going to assume I know anything about you. If nothing else, my student taught me that. You know, and I've often felt it's kind of ironic that I was a teacher for 14 years because in many respects, I felt like a student for 14 years because my students taught me so much. They inspired me so much. And, and that's part of why I eventually had to leave teaching is because it just hurt my heart too much to see these amazing, incredible kids with so much potential just get squashed by a system that frankly only pretended to care about them. All the concern, all the care, that's so much lip service that the, the machine within the system spews out. I mean, te- don't get me wrong. Teachers believe that. Uh, most teachers do. But, but the problem is, is those teachers are also in a system that restricts and holds them back. And so anyways, I don't want to get too far down that rabbit hole. But the point is, the point is, is that this helped me be very clear about my why. And it also helped me to be very clear that, you know, I'm not going to pretend to know anything that I don't, that I don't. And I think oftentimes with our kids, sometimes, um, you know, I, I've gotten in the, my wife has kind of helped train me. You know, when I see my daughter having a tough time, it could be maybe she's sad, maybe she's upset, maybe she's frustrated, whatever. But when I see her having a difficult time, I don't ask her. And this is, this has been my practice for years now because of my, my wife helping me with this, but I don't ask her what's wrong because asking her what's wrong immediately puts her on the defensive and it immediately communicates consciously or subconsciously, hey, something's wrong with you. So tell me about it. And that doesn't cause her to want to tell me about it. It causes her to shut down. It causes her to respond almost reflexively, what's wrong? Nothing. Nothing's wrong. And you know, that's said with a tone that you so clearly know that something is wrong. She just doesn't feel safe enough to communicate it. So I got in the habit thanks to my wife, of saying to her, you know, sweetie, you seem 
upset or you seem frustrated or you seem sad, would, would you like to talk about that? See, and that acknowledges her state of mind and her state of being. And then and it gives her space to then step into and talk to me about whatever it is going on. And we end up having a lot of great dialogues. I don't have to chase her down. I don't have to do a lot of, you know, where I'm, I'm doing surgery to extract some sort of meaning or response out of her. She's, she's welcoming because she knows that she has a safe place. She knows that I'm, I'm going to totally hear her side out. And then after I've heard her side, yes, I will tell her what I think. I will then give my input. But uh, the point is, is that not until I listen first. And obviously, you know, you have to adjust that to the age of, of your child. You know, um, when she was younger, obviously I leaned in a lot more and a lot harder. But as she's growing older, I'm making adjustments. And, and now it's more, of a, it's more of a partnership in which I have the final say, you know. So we're working together. But at the end of the day, if I have to step in and, and make a final decision, it's mine to make, not hers. So it's a, it's a really... It's a really important thing, though, to, to be clear on this why. Like, what are you really trying to accomplish? You know, we're, we are, are raising human beings. We're not manufacturing robots. We're not trying to standardize some sort of parental process. We're, we're trying to, to experiment and figure out what works for my, chi- for my child. I mean, yes, there are certain principles, right? There is a way that things work. So there are certain principles. But once you, once you learn those principles and apply them, then the rest of the time is, as parents, what we're really doing is we're experimenting to figure out what works, what doesn't work, and then move on from there. And, and, and again, the most important thing we can do is really be patient with ourselves. Understand that as we experiment to figure out what works the best, it's a process that takes time. We're also probably dealing with, you know, I talked about this in my earlier podcast, we're dealing with a mindset that we've inherited from uh, our schooling and from our childhood. And that mindset can interfere with how we approach our own parenting. So then we're dealing with that. That's a process to change that. And then, of course, as we're experimenting, even with the best of intentions, those experiments do not always work out the way that we hope. That means that we have to give ourselves a lot of grace. We cannot afford to fall into the trap of self-condemnation. We cannot go online and book ourselves a guilt trip on Expedia.com. We just, we can't. We can't do that. We have to just own the mistake and keep going and just go, you know what? I'm doing the best I can with what I know. So if, if there's something that I need to learn, then I'll, I'll go out and learn it. If there's something I need to change, then I'll go out and change it. But all we can do is the best we can with what we know, right? So we always have to ask ourselves, what if I could do better? What if I could know more? So that's, that's kind of the, the state where, where as parents, we always have to be learners, especially as we are trying to encourage our children to always be learners. So these are just kind of a, a few thoughts, just kind of thinking about understanding the why and knowing that even with our own kids, even with you know the, the, these, these young men and these young women who live under our roofs, 
that we may not always know everything that's going on and we need to give them the space that they need to come to us. Otherwise, they'll go somewhere else. They'll go somewhere else and, and that may not be a place that we want them to go. So, I just wanna say thank you so much for listening. Uh, obviously, there are hundreds and thousands of podcasts out there. You chose to give your time to us. We appreciate that. Please check out our website, pk4l.com, for more resources and click on the link in the show description if you haven't done so already and download your free ebook, Building an Emotionally Safe Home, as our gift to you. Remember, we're with you every day, every step of the way. Until tomorrow, have a great day. Oh, 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 oh,